Blair is a lost township, tucked away in the trees, just a stone's throw from the road between Allapool and Inverness at Inverlaw. Centuries of history lie buried and forgotten. In this series, with the help of Allapool Museum, archaeologists and historical experts, we're bringing the people and stories of Balblair and Inverlaw back to life. Eight snapshots reimagine moments in Highland history which have, until recently, been hidden in plain sight. Episode 1. Lady Fowler. Keep right on to the end, though the way is long. Who's that? I'm Lynn McKeggy. I'm a director of Highland Archaeology Services, and I'm an archaeologist, and I live in the Highlands of Scotland. Aloha! Who's there? Can I help you? Can't hear me. Strange. Oh, well, never mind. Let your heart be strong, keep right on round the bend. Lady Fowler was a baronetess, which is a step down from a baroness. So still a lady, a lady of nobility, but quite low down in the hierarchy of noble families. Low down? <laughs> Depends on where you're standing, my dear. Obviously, our women of very good breeding. We've got pictures of her and her two older daughters at their debutante's ball being presented to Queen Victoria. Ah, little Vic. What a woman she was. And so you can, it's very Downton-esque. Downton-esque? Whatever do you mean, child? She's had a very privileged life, but that privilege doesn't seem to outweigh her good, kind personality. One just does one's bit, no? She was married to John Fowler, who was the son of a famous engineer. They had five children together, three daughters, two sons. Hardly worth mentioning. She's quite heavily involved in the Red Cross, um, doing lots of things for the TA units. How peculiar. I can hear them perfectly well. Still, they seem to like me well enough. So carry on, girls. Quite heavily affiliated with the Seaforth Islanders. What a fuss. She was clearly quite knowledgeable in historic events. Oh, please, don't mention it. We also know that she was a pretty keen shot. We've got a newspaper article saying that she shot a 14-point stag on the land and then goes on to say that she'd shot another six with only eight cartridges. So she's only missed twice. <laughs> I was like, for a woman, that's quite a impressive resume, I would say, for especially for that time. You wouldn't necessarily having your head that the women were going shooting. Oh, for heaven's sake, live around here and you learn how to shoot a deer soon enough. It seems that Lady Fowler was really engaged in her local natural habitat and also the cultural habitat. She seems to know almost everyone around. She uh, spends a lot of time outside in the wilds of the highlands. She's stalking deer, she's interested in botany. She's really engaged in not only the natural environment, but also the culture and the heritage of the Highlands as well. Now, what's your name, dear? I'm Siobhan Beetson. I am the curator at Ulpool Museum. I am part leading the research team for the Lost Envelope project. The reason that she's of such interest to our story 
is because in 1913, as the workmen were building the road from Dingwall to Ullapool, they were rebuilding the road in places, the workmen came across a pile of stones and a couple of hollows that they weren't entirely sure. Wait! Please! Just a minute, let me see! I don't know what exactly caught my attention. Something about the shape, the size of that cairn. There are many cairns in these parts, but this one, the stones looked old. Lichen, rather beautiful, I just had a feeling. A cairn is just a pile of stones and you can see why it would be really attractive for people who are trying to build up the road surface. This cairn, though, wasn't just any pile of stones, it seems to have been a burial cairn. And Lady Fowler, possibly when she was passing, noted that there was a burial kist in this pile of stones. She stopped work and she wrote to the director of the National Museum of Antiquaries of Scotland. Sixth sense. Sometimes it turns out to be right. Not merely sixth sense, however. A little learning, knowing your land, being curious. Us girls know how to look. You ever watched a man trying to find something that's clearly in view? <laughs> they send out an archaeologist to come and have a look at what she found, which then turned out to be a cairn with two burial kists inside. Not only did she stop the work, which wasn't even on her land, um, it was Mr Gilmore that owned that area because it's Inverlaw and not Braemore land, but she then contacted the relevant people. She gave them tools. She gave them the staff from the Braemar estate to carry out the excavation. She is the linchpin in this 1913 excavation of the site. And none of it would have happened had it been without her. Such a fuss. Mr Gilmore was very kind and understanding. Perhaps even a little excited himself. And the tools? Well, the outhouses are full with rusty old implements. Very pleased to see them being put to good use. It was all really most intriguing. This cairn was 13 metres across. It was about a metre high. In the middle there was a dip where it had been damaged to about 20 years before by a couple of lads who had been looking for burial cairns. So in the middle of the cairn there were four stones that made a kind of box and that had been the central burial. Now, when it was excavated, they found that most of the contents had been removed, but there were just a couple of fragments of bone and a couple of tiny pieces of pottery. And this tells us that it was a Bronze Age burial cairn, which probably had a pottery beaker in it, which is very typical of the beaker people. But it didn't only have this central burial, it also had a secondary burial just to the side, another kist. And in this kist, there had been the cremated remains of a human. With them had been buried a burnt arrowhead and a couple of flints and also some quartz pebbles. These are quite typical finds, again, of the Bronze Age, probably a little bit later. Now, the Bronze Age uh, was about 4,000 years ago. So this takes us right back into prehistoric Scotland. It's a time when people are just starting to use metals like bronze. They've been using copper. They haven't discovered iron yet. Irksome that we weren't the first to uncover the secrets of the Cairns. I doubt their clandestine plunder made them rich, nor any of us now. 
Even greater is it not to enrich our knowledge and our imaginations. The excavation of 1913 saw us be able to trace the history of Inverlaw and Lochbroom to a certain extent back further than most people would ever have thought. We are looking at the transition period between Neolithic and Bronze Age about 4,000 years ago. Although we know that there are other suspiciously large piles of, of stones around about, this is the only one that's been excavated that has a proper excavation report and record. So this tells us that this is there are definitely Bronze Age cairns here. We can see in the wider hills that there are some hut circles which could also be Bronze Age and because of this burial it makes it more likely that they are Bronze Age hut circles rather than later shielings or Iron Age hut circles. Because we have this excavation, because this was done and we can so clearly see that it, it does belong to the Bronze Age, it adds to what is still a fairly murky picture of Bronze Age Scotland, which we are still trying to understand today. Although burial cairns like this are quite common over the whole of the country, uh, it's not everyone who's being buried in this way. It must have been quite a small percentage because there simply aren't enough of these burials for it to represent everyone who was ever buried in the Bronze Age. So that tells us something about the people who are being buried in this way. Are they special people in the community? There has been some work on DNA and isotope analysis for some better preserved uh, skeletal remains from the Bronze Age Scotland, which tell us that people are travelling a lot through Britain in the early Bronze Age. The Beaker people seem to have come from Europe and swept across the country, uh, and within a few generations they represent the main body of the population. People seem to be moving much greater distances than we thought in this earlier era of prehistory. And this is a place where you can get to lots of places. It's a junction across um, not only Scotland, but also leading you to other countries, Ireland, down into England. I'm not sure I understood all of that iso-stopes. Must brush up on my scientific reading. But wonderful to know that our little road between Garve and the new town of Ullapool was once a busy, nay international crossroads, an important centre. I walk this road today and it feels different. I can hear the echoes, glimpse the shadows of these ancient, mysterious people. Her discovery and then the investigation that she initiated started a process within the Loch Broom area of looking for these sort of things. She's the first archaeology excavation that we know of and that has continued and continued throughout the last 100 years until our project, which is now 110 years later. 110 years later? How extraordinary. You must look at me as being nearly as ancient as our kissed people. Had it not been from her starting point, we may not have felt that it was relevant, may not felt that there was enough evidence to go on. And even now we're seeing parallels between the two. The finds from the dig in 1913 show thumbnail scrapers, which we then found again last year, which we've got a Neolithic thumbnail scraper. 
which was found about 500 metres away from this original one. So it's kind of ingraining the evidence to prove just how long communities have felt that Inverlaw has been a significance. So 4,000 years of occupation we are now looking at. Um, and we've got different sites, but the same finds from different sites, same proof from different sites. And had it not been from the start when she'd done it, then we might not have ended up in the same place. Please, enough. No need for all this. Then again, nice to have your efforts noticed and remembered. Though I was hardly the first to take an interest in what's hidden around us beneath our feet. It's really quite remarkable that Lady Fowler had recognised not only that this was an archaeological cairn, that this was a burial, but also that she sought help to get this recorded properly. Um, archaeology was still quite a young field of study. It used to be just treasure hunting really in the 1700s and through the 1800s it had been growing into a field in which people would actually record what they were finding, leaving records and uh, actually and undertaking it as a scientific study rather than just uh, treasure hunting. So in 1913 it was still quite radical for a member of the public to take enough interest to try and get an archaeological dig done of some of their local archaeological features. We know that there was a lot of interest in heritage in the Highlands. The first maps that had been produced in the 1860s note archaeology all over the landscape. They note down all the hut circles and all the cairns. People are interested in archaeology and people quite often like the treasure hunters lads who had gone into all the cairns to see if they could find buried treasure. People are curious and they want to find things. But what Lady Fowler did that was so different was that she recognised that how important it was not just to satisfy your own personal curiosity, but to create records and really undertake, undertake a meticulous scientific study in order to preserve what is found for future generations for posterity. And that's so important and that's really quite remarkable about what she did at that time. Jolly nice of you all. In Hidden in Plain Sight, the experts were Lynn McKeggy and Siobhan Beetson. The writer was Chris Dolan and the actor Juliet Kelly. Hidden in Plain Sight was produced by Adventurous Audio Limited and made possible thanks to the support of the Audio Content Fund. How funny. I'm a footnote in history. <laughs> <laughs>